0: Welcome! You're listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print-impaired. Materials or items read on AirZLA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. Hi, I'm Mike Paul. Welcome to this podcast of articles from Ars Technica, a presentation of Airs LA. This is episode 13, recorded May 5th, 2022. We have five articles for you today. We'll hear how Twitter's new owner, Elon Musk, defines free speech on the platform. See how TurboTax misled consumers with its recent Free, Free, Free campaign. Get an unofficial sneak preview of Sonos's new voice assistant. See how the airline industry is adapting to the rollout of 5G cellular networks. And congratulate Mozilla on its 100th version of Firefox, an alternative to Google Chrome. It all starts right now. Our first article is by John Brodkin, published on April 28, 2022. Elon Musk, Twitter's next owner, provides his definition of free speech. Elon Musk has claimed he is buying Twitter in order to protect free speech. But what does Musk mean by free speech? Musk provided a somewhat vague answer in a tweet on Tuesday, one day after striking a deal to buy Twitter for $44 billion. The sale to Musk is pending and needs shareholder approval to be completed. Musk's statement, which he made the pinned tweet on his Twitter profile, said the following. By free speech, I simply mean that which matches the law. I am against censorship that goes far beyond the law. If people want less free speech, they will ask government to pass laws to that effect. Therefore, going beyond the law is contrary to the will of the people. There are multiple ways to interpret Musk's statement as it relates to the United States law, particularly the First Amendment. One interpretation is that Musk doesn't need to change Twitter at all to prevent censorship that goes far beyond the law. The First Amendment says that, paraphrasing, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. The wording prevents the government from restricting speech, but courts have ruled that it does not prevent private companies from doing so. In fact, judges have ruled that private companies like Twitter have a First Amendment right to moderate content, Both Florida and Texas tried to enact laws that would force social networks like Twitter and Facebook to scale back their content moderation. Judges blocked both state laws from taking effect, ruling that the laws violate the company's First Amendment rights to moderate their platforms. In that sense, Twitter's content moderation, including restricting tweets and banning certain accounts, already matches the law, quote-unquote, on free speech in the U.S., but Musk clearly thinks Twitter's content moderation is often a violation of free speech. His statement that free speech on Twitter should match the law may thus mean he thinks Twitter, like the U.S. Congress, should not impose rules and policies that Musk deems to be censorship, quote-unquote. U.S. law doesn't say that Twitter must avoid such rules and policies, so Musk seems to want free speech that goes beyond what U.S. law requires. Musk could achieve his goal by changing Twitter's policies on what types of content are banned and by changing the algorithms that Twitter uses to promote or limit the visibility of certain tweets. Of course, free speech laws vary by country— with the U.S. being notable for not having many government-imposed limits on people speaking their mind. Twitter faces different laws around the world. China blocks Twitter, for example. In Europe, Twitter will face a new set of rules on moderating illegal and harmful content. Musk's statement that if people want less free speech, they will ask government to pass laws to that effect doesn't match the reality of countries that impose significant limits on free speech. Repressive governments that highly restrict speech generally aren't doing so because the people they govern have asked government to pass laws to that effect. Examples include China's extensive internet censorship system and Russia's crackdown on news coverage of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Musk recently suggested he would defy governments that demand speech restrictions, writing that Starlink has been told by some governments, not Ukraine, to block Russian news sources. We will not do so unless at gunpoint. Sorry to be a free speech absolutist. But Musk's new statement defining free speech as, quote, that which matches the law, unquote, suggests a different approach in which he'd be willing to restrict speech in any country where the government requires him to do so. Using Musk's explanation of free speech, a government law that prohibits certain kinds of speech is just, quote, the will of the people, unquote. In another tweet after completing his deal with the Twitter board, Musk wrote that, quote, Truth Social is currently beating Twitter and TikTok on the Apple Store, unquote referring to the Donald Trump social media venture that was purportedly designed as a haven for free speech, but has been plagued with technical problems. In a follow-up tweet, Musk wrote that Truth Social, quote, exists because Twitter censored free speech, unquote. Trump launched Truth Social after being banned from Twitter for inciting violence. Trump also sued both Twitter and Facebook for banning him, but he doesn't seem likely to win that case. Musk exercised his right to free speech in 2018 by claiming a driver who helped rescue boys trapped in a Thailand cave was a, quote, pedo guy, unquote, referring to pedophilia. Musk was sued, but a jury found him not liable for defamation. Musk provided one example of what he considers censorship Tuesday, writing that, quote, suspending the Twitter account of a major news organization for publishing a truthful story was obviously incredibly inappropriate, unquote. As The Washington Post noted Wednesday, Musk was referring to an October 2020 incident in which Twitter temporarily blocked a New York Post story on Democratic nominee Joe Biden's son, Hunter, that it said violated a policy against posting hacked materials. The company did not suspend the entire news organization, but did prevent it from tweeting for a period of time. In that case, Twitter quickly changed its policy on sharing hacked materials after facing criticism for blocking links to the New York Post's story. So Musk's criticism referred to a policy that no longer exists. Musk, who has tried to get out of a 2018 settlement with the Securities and Exchange Commission that requires Tesla to impose controls on his social media statements, actually agreed to some limits on his tweets about Twitter in his deal to buy the company. The sale agreement says that while the acquisition is pending, Musk shall be permitted to issue tweets about the merger or the transactions contemplated hereby so long as such tweets do not disparage the company or any of its representatives. Musk's comment on the New York Post incident came in response to a cigar and Jetty post that described Twitter General Counsel Vijaya Gade as the top censorship advocate at Twitter. After Musk's tweet, Twitter users quickly piled on to the criticism of Gade, including calling on Musk to fire her and using racist language to describe her, the Washington Post wrote, arguing that Musk's tweet could potentially run afoul of the deal in terms that prohibit him from criticizing Twitter and its representatives. Musk has since posted an image mocking Gade and Twitter for, quote, left-wing bias. Musk's deal to buy Twitter is expected to close sometime in 2022, pending approval by shareholders and regulators. Either Twitter or Musk can terminate the deal if it is not completed by October 24, 2022, though that date would be extended by six months if certain conditions are met. The deal requires either Twitter or Musk to pay a breakup fee of $1 billion to the other if the deal is terminated under some circumstances, such as if Twitter sells to someone else or if Musk fails to provide necessary funds to complete the purchase." The extreme antibody reaction from those who fear free speech says it all," Musk wrote on Tuesday. Our second article is by John Brodkin, published on May 4, 2022. TurboTax forced to stop misleading free, free, free ads and pay back $141 million. TurboTax owner Intuit will pay $141 million in restitution to millions of consumers across the nation who were unfairly charged and stop its free, free, free ad campaign that, quote, lured customers with promises of free tax preparation services only to deceive them into paying, unquote. New York Attorney General Letitia James announced Wednesday, Intuit is accused of steering customers away from the IRS Free File program that is free to 70% of taxpayers while using misleading ads to promote a separate, freemium TurboTax product that isn't actually free to most people. Intuit agreed to the settlement with all 50 U.S. states and the District of Columbia. Intuit cheated millions of low-income Americans out of free tax filing services they were entitled to, James said in the settlement announcement. For years, Intuit misled the most vulnerable among us to make a profit. Today, every state in the nation is holding Intuit accountable for scamming millions of taxpayers, and we're putting millions of dollars back into the pockets of impacted Americans. Unquote. Specifically, Intuit will provide restitution to nearly 4.4 million consumers who started using TurboTax's free edition for tax years 2016 through 2018 and were told that they had to pay to file even though they were eligible to file for free using the IRS Free File Program offered through TurboTax. Payments will be about $30 for each tax year, and impacted consumers will automatically receive notices and a check by mail, the announcement said. The $141 million in restitution includes about $2.5 million for administrative fund costs. In a statement on the settlement, Intuit said it agreed to pay $141 million to put this matter behind it. In coming to a resolution on this matter, we admitted no wrongdoing and are pleased to be able to continue our strong partnership with governments to best serve the needs of taxpayers across the country, said Intuit Executive VP and General Counsel Carrie McLean. The timing of payouts to consumers is unclear. The settlement says Intuit must pay the $141 million within 30 days of the effective date, defined as when all parties have signed the agreement. After that, an oversight committee composed of Attorneys General shall have the sole discretion concerning the administration and distribution of the settlement fund, including determining who is eligible for payments and the timing and amount of payments. Intuit is required to stop the free, free, free ad campaign immediately upon the settlement's effective date. Intuit will not be allowed to publish any of the offending ads or any ads that are substantially similar in their repetition of the word free. Intuit also agreed to more prominent disclosures on any ad that claims a tax preparation product is free, starting no later than August 1, 2022. Some of the specific disclosure requirements expire after 10 years. The New York AG's office said it led a multi-state investigation that found Intuit engaged in several deceptive and unfair trade practices that limited consumers' participation in the IRS free-file program. Intuit used confusingly similar names for both its IRS free-file product and its commercial freemium product ran search ads to direct consumers who were looking for the IRS free-file service to the TurboTax freemium product instead, and purposely blocked its IRS free-file landing page from search engine results during the 2019 tax filing season, the settlement announcement said. Additionally, its products and pricing page that claimed to recommend the right tax solution Never displayed or recommended the IRS free-file program, the announcement said. James's office said it opened the investigation in response to reporting by ProPublica. Intuit left the IRS free-file program in July 2021. With free-file, the industry agreed to offer free tax services to people with low and moderate incomes, and in exchange, the IRS promised not to compete against the private companies. The IRS rescinded its promise not to enter the tax return software and e-file services market in late 2019, but so far hasn't offered its own tax filing software. Quoting from the FTC lawsuit, Much of Intuit's advertising for TurboTax conveys the message that consumers can file their taxes for free using TurboTax, even going so far as to air commercials in which almost every word spoken is the word free the FTC's lawsuit said. The ads include one with an auctioneer repeatedly saying free, another in which a court stenographer recorded a legal proceeding in which free was the only word used, and another in which an exercise class instructor chants free while leading a group workout, the FTC said. Despite leaving the free file program, Intuit still offers the separate TurboTax Free Edition, But this is free only for what Intuit defines as quote-unquote simple returns, the New York Attorney General's office noted. The software is thus only free for about one-third of U.S. taxpayers, while IRS Free File is free for 70%. Despite the sedition not being free to most people, TurboTax marketed this freemium product aggressively, including through ad campaigns where free is the most prominent or sometimes the only selling point. In some ads, the company repeated the word free dozens of times in as short as 30 seconds, James's office said. Taxpayers seeking free tax filing from TurboTax are met with various hard stops that urged them to upgrade to versions costing $59 or $119 for federal tax returns, the FTC said. TurboTax charges additional fees for state tax returns. In the settlement, Intuit agreed to several changes to its business practices in addition to the previously mentioned advertising changes. The New York Attorney General's office described the changes as follows. One refraining from making misrepresentations in connection with promoting or offering any online tax preparation products, 2. Enhancing disclosures in its advertising and marketing of free products, 3. Designing its products to better inform users whether they will be eligible to file their taxes for free, and 4 refraining from requiring consumers to start their tax filing over if they exit one of Intuit's paid products to use a free product instead. McLean said Intuit believes the settlement addresses the issues at the core of the FTC litigation, making that lawsuit entirely unnecessary, but that it is fully prepared to litigate with the FTC to prove the merits of our case. On the agreed-upon changes, Intuit said it already adheres to most of these advertising practices and expects minimal impact to its business from implementing the remaining changes going forward. Intuit said its services have been used for free tax filing by nearly 100 million Americans over the past eight years, and that it expects to help more than 40 million taxpayers prepare and file their tax returns free of charge over the next three years. The third article is by Sharon Harding, published on May 4, 2022. Report. Sonos is launching its own voice assistant in June. According to a report from The Verge on Wednesday, Sonos is launching a voice assistant on June 1st. The publication cited people familiar with the company's plans, who claim the feature will bring voice control to Sonos's home audio products. A Sonos rep told Ars Technica that the company doesn't comment on rumors or speculation when asked for a comment. Currently, Sonos's products, like Bluetooth speakers and soundbars, support Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. Now, it's reportedly interested in equipping its products with its own voice assistant. All Sonos products that run the company's S2 software will support Sonos voice control, The Verge reported. In addition to its unnamed sources, the publication cited a job posting on JobAllies and Snagajob for a software test engineer who will work on the voice experience team and design, develop, and expand Sonos voice experience automated test infrastructure. Quoting from the listing, In the Sonos voice experience team, we design the future of voice interaction for audio content. Our ambition is to make voice interactions fully private, more personal and more natural, the listing says. The Voice QA team will have a long-term impact on the quality and standards of the music experience delivered to our millions of customers globally. The Verge claimed Sonos' voice assistant will let you tell your speaker to play specific songs, artists, or playlists with voice commands, among other functions. The voice assistant will initially be compatible with Apple Music, Amazon Music, Pandora, Deezer, and Sonos Radio. But Spotify and YouTube Music are not partners yet, The Verge said. It's worth noting that Sonos's website, which doesn't list the voice experience job, also shows an opening for a software engineer who would work with Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant integration in Sonos Speakers. So at least for now, it doesn't look like Sonos will immediately ditch its current voice assistants, which would be wise considering the popularity of the AI. However, code traces, protocol found in November, also point to a Sonos voice assistant, which suggests that the Sonos feature and Google Assistant couldn't be used concurrently within the same product. But what, assuming it's real, would Sonos Voice offer beyond the more well-known Alexa or Google Assistant? According to The Verge, besides adding Hey Sonos to your list of commonly used phrases, the company's internal tests show it to be quicker than competing assistant services at core music tasks. The job opening also claims the voice service will be fully private, though it doesn't get into details. But if Sonos could find a way to make a microphone feel private or at least more so than Amazon and Google do, that would be advantageous. For Sonos, it would mean having more freedom over voice services and its products, and maybe even hope that one day it won't be bound to frenemies Google and Amazon. Sonos has been dissatisfied with both, despite partnering with the companies over the years. As The Verge noted, this includes suing Google for patent infringement, accusing Amazon of doing the same, and telling Congress that Google engages in anti-competitive business practices. Our fourth article is by John Brodkin, published on May 4th, 2022. FAA urges airlines to replace altimeters that can't filter out 5G signals. The Federal Aviation Administration is reportedly urging airlines to retrofit or replace altimeters that receive transmissions from outside their allotted frequencies. The FAA is meeting Wednesday with telecom and airline industry officials, on a push to retrofit and ultimately replace some airline radio altimeters that could face interference from C-band 5G wireless services. The Reuters report continued, The FAA wants to use the meeting to establish an achievable time frame to retrofit or replace radar altimeters in the U.S. fleet, according to a previously unreported letter from the FAA's top aviation safety official, Chris Rokolau, reviewed by Reuters. It also asked aviation representatives to offer options and commit to actions necessary to meet these objectives. Some altimeters used by airplanes to measure altitude apparently cannot filter out transmissions from C-band frequencies assigned to wireless carriers for 5G. Altimeters are supposed to use frequencies from 4.2 GHz to 4.4 GHz, while wireless carriers' C-band licenses are for 3.7 gigahertz to 3.98 gigahertz. Retrofits could be achieved with antenna filters that are currently in production, with one key question being how to determine which planes are most at risk of interference and should therefore get retrofitted first, the Reuters report said. Airplane's faulty altimeters recently spurred the Federal Communications Commission to launch an inquiry into poorly designed wireless devices that receive transmissions from outside their allotted frequencies. The FCC could ultimately issue rules requiring better performance for wireless receivers, similar to how the FCC prohibits wireless transmitters from broadcasting outside their licensed spectrum. While the FCC has historically focused on regulating transmitters, the 5G altimeter debacle showed how poorly designed receivers can prevent efficient use of the spectrum. The FAA's new move to retrofit or replace altimeters comes more than two years after the FCC urged the aviation industry to fix the problem. In the FCC's February 2020 decision to reallocate C-band spectrum, the commission said the 220 MHz guard band between altimeters and 5G should be plenty. More analysis is warranted on why there may even be a potential for some interference given that well-designed equipment should not ordinarily receive any significant interference, let alone harmful interference, given the circumstances, the FCC said at the time. AT&T and Verizon were set to deploy 5G on the C-band in December 2021, but the FAA forced the wireless industry to delay. The rollout eventually went ahead, and the carriers agreed to additional temporary restrictions near airports until July 2022. The 220 MHz guard band is 400 MHz in practice this year because AT&T and Verizon have not yet deployed above 3.8 GHz. But the FAA has continued to warn of potential problems with altimeters. While the FAA authorized 90% of the U.S. commercial aircraft fleet for low visibility approaches in areas with C-band deployment, There could be another fight coming in July when AT&T and Verizon are scheduled to lift their voluntary 5G restrictions around airports. U.S. Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg told the Senate Appropriations Committee last week that the problem won't be completely resolved by this summer and remains, quote, a top concern, according to CNET. We're in a much better place than we were in December and January, Buttigieg said, expressing optimism, largely because we have much better dialogue and collaboration, not just among regulators, but among industries, and have been directly engaging with the airlines, the aviation equipment manufacturers, and with the telecom carriers to make sure that we're on a better path. Our fifth article is by Samuel Axon, published on May 4th, 2022. Mozilla releases Firefox version 100 this week. Firefox released its 100th update, and some fanfare accompanied the release on Mozilla's blog about the web browser. Firefox 100 is available this week for both desktop and mobile versions. To celebrate, Mozilla says it will be regularly sharing fan art inspired by Firefox throughout May. But while that 100 number carries some symbolic weight, the update itself isn't particularly monumental. On the desktop, subtitles and captions are now supported in Firefox's Picture-in-Picture mode for videos. Three key websites officially support subtitles and captions in PIP, YouTube, Netflix, and Amazon Prime Video. Plus, the feature works on websites that support the Web VTT standard, like Twitter. That's as far as new features go for desktop, but there's more going on on the mobile side. First, there's a new browser history view. Mozilla said it reduced clutter in this new history panel by removing duplicates and automatically grouping related items, like multiple pages visited from the same search query. You can search your own history with a text field now, too. Clutter-Free is also the name of the game for improvements to tabs on mobile. To help users who tend to leave tabs open for weeks with the intent to get to them eventually, creating unmanageable clutter, Firefox now automatically resorts tabs you haven't viewed for 14 days into an inactive tabs section. There are also two new wallpapers for Android and iOS called Beach Vibes and Twilight Hills. Other changes include HTTPS-only mode on Android, a prompt to select a language at first launch, and the expansion of the credit card autofill feature, previously seen only in North America, to the UK, France, and Germany. Android received several of these features right away, but iOS should have them by the end of next week, Mozilla says. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's articles. To learn more about AirsLA and the types of programs we offer, follow us at facebook.com slash A-I-R-S-L-A. If you like what's there, please hit the like button. Music provided by Hot Fire. I'm Mike Paul, and I'll be back soon with more illuminating stories from Ars Technica. Thanks for listening.